0: The reason I'm teaching this, listen to me, because there's too many Christians that are spending too much time chasing after something they already have. You can't keep chasing after... And some people go, pray, Pastor, pray that God would bless me. Why am I going to bore him with that prayer? You're already blessed. And then we're going to go to it in Ephesians chapter 1, not right now, but we're going to get to it. Now, again, the reason I'm teaching this is to get us to the point where we understand biblically accurately what does it mean to be blessed? What does the blessing mean? And and honestly, I'm just going to throw this out to you because this is where we're heading. The blessing is not a thing. The blessing is a person. When you have the person, you automatically have the blessing. You listening to me? So so if you're going to pursue anything, pursue Jesus. Pursue Him through through an intimate relationship with Him. And truthfully, you can't have an intimate relationship with Jesus if you don't have an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the presence of Jesus here on earth. Amen? Now, He's not in a building. Okay? You didn't encounter the Holy Spirit. People say, I went to church in the presence of God. Well, the presence of God is in you. For you to say, well, I go to church and the presence of God is there, you're saying that the presence of God is apart from you. The reason why you sense and tangibly experience the presence of God when you come to a place like this is because you're bringing the presence of God that you have. You're bringing the presence of God. You're bringing, And when we come together corporately, we experience a corporate blessing of being the church. The called out ones. Okay? So let, oh, I, I hate religiosity. I hate Man-made, man-made perceptions of what God has gone out of his way to make very simple. And, 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 and this topic of the blessing seems to escape people because they're looking for... it. It's like so many people, and, and I'm hoping that when you leave here tonight, you're going to have a different perspective if you've been entertaining this kind of perspective, are always looking for it in the future. But you have it now the blessing is upon you. Amen? Amen? Amen. Now remember, remember, because I'm going to quote some Old Testament scriptures. Now remember in the Old Testament, okay, the Old Testament looks forward to the cross. The New Testament looks back to the cross. So sometimes if we're not careful, man, my mouth is so dry tonight. If we're not careful, we'll quote a scripture from the Old Testament that at that time period was looking forward to the fulfillment and not realizing the fulfillment already took place at the cross. So yes, we go to an Old Testament scripture to to establish the fact that this is what God wants us to have. Okay, but we got it now. Now understand, understand, Let me have your Bible. No, that's too clunky. Let me have yours. Um, I'm going to go to John chapter 8. Now, understand this. Oh, man, we've got to get through this tonight. Okay, I'm going to do this, and then we're going to go right back to where we're supposed to be. Amen? Go to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Anthony, I'll tell you in a second where we're going to go. Now, here's what I want to tell you before I read this. The Gospels, look at me. Our Old Testament. Well, Pastor, my Bible has them in the New Testament. It's it's in the New Testament as it's as the books are split up, but chronologically, everything in the Gospels takes place under the New Testament until Jesus says on the cross, "It is finished." Okay. So now watch us now again. I'm talking about. I'm talking about. not getting caught up in reading something that was before the fulfillment, thinking that we now still have to wait for it, all right? So John chapter 8, they moved it around. I'm looking for when Jesus talks about him being the living water, it's John chapter 8, right? What, what, what verse is it? No. That's what I thought. Did you get this on, is this a discounted Bible? It's not in here. See if you can find it. 737? You got it up there? All right, he's got it. He's got it. I'll just read up there. All right, I'll just read up there. That you bought that in the thrift store or something. (laughs) Jesus answered. Now, watch this now. Everyone who drinks. No, that's not the one. That's 413. I want John chapter 7, verse 37. Come on, I'm wasting time here. John chapter 8. John chapter. So I said, John chapter 7. On the last, the greatest day of the festival, or the feast, some translations say, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Next verse. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, and he's quoting the book of Isaiah, rivers of living water, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, watch this now, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Okay, just stop there. Now, if you're reading this now, and you're reading in the Gospels, and it appears in the New Testament If you're not careful, you will put an event that already took place in the future. The truth is, it was in their future. Are you listening to me? When that took place, Jesus, it says, had not yet been glorified. What does it mean? Jesus had not yet gone to the cross. He had not yet given his life. He had not yet been buried, raised from the dead. And Pentecost had not happened yet. But now we're on the other side of that thing. So if you're not careful, you pray with Jesus uh, uh, I want the spirit. I want the spirit. I want the spirit. But you got born again. You have the spirit. You see what I'm saying? So, so again, when we read scriptures pertaining to the blessing, be careful to discern. Okay, where did this? When did this take place? Who is he speaking to? Are you getting this? All right. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 8. The Lord will command the blessing, the blessing, the blessing. Say that with me. Not a blessing, the blessing. In other words, in its entirety. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses, today we would say in your bank accounts, and in all to which you set your hand, and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. So you see, at that point, they're they're not yet in the promised land. They're heading to the promised land. He's saying, when you get there, God will command a blessing on you. But it would be wrong for us to say, okay, in in our context and where we are today as believers filled with the Holy Spirit, it would be wrong for us to say, someday God's going to command a blessing upon me. Someday God's going to bless my bank account. Someday God's going to bless my business. Someday God's going to bless my family. Someday God's going to bless my children. No, 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 no you got it now. Why? Because if you've experienced salvation, you've experienced not only just being rescued from going to hell, but you have now experienced the life of God in you. The presence of God. Can you have the presence of God in someone or in some place without there being a blessing? No. Because wherever he is, is blessed. Yes or no? Yes. All right, so... Psalm 35, verse 27. Now I'm going to just keep moving through here. Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. And let them say continually, the Lord. let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the what? Okay, do you think it would be wrong if we said it this way? Who has pleasure in the blessing of his servant. Same thing, right? Is there a plexiglass thing here? It's the same thing, right? Yes. Okay, so if you want to stick with prosperity or you want to put the word blessing in there, he has pleasure in your prosperity. He has pleasure in the blessing upon your life. Now, you remember last week we talked about the scripture, I believe it's in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22 or 28. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow to it. You remember that scripture? Okay, now... There's been times, and I don't want to spend a whole lot of time with this because I did talk about this at length last week, where you can take a blessing and turn it into a curse. You could take a blessing and either misuse it, not appropriate it for the right things, not take full advantage of it, or bring it and use it for something that God never gave it to you for, and now all of a sudden you have sorrow. So it depends on what you do with the blessing that's on your life is going to determine whether it's going to be a blessing not just for you, but blessing for generations in the future, blessings for others that are around you that you can impact. Okay, God gives us raw material, then it's up to us to do this. I was listening to a a, a real short video, um, uh, Pastor T.D. Jakes, and he said something so profound, so profound. He said, God never made a chair, God never made a table, God never built a wall. He made a tree. It's up to us what we're going to do with that tree. We can can chop it up, divide it up, make it into planks, make it into two by fours, make it into whatever, and then we build stuff with it. He gives you raw material. He has given the blessing upon your life. It's up to you to tap into that blessing and decide, okay, where do I feel like the Lord has taken me? Where should I use the blessing of my creativity? Where should I use the blessing of my physical strength? Where should I use uh, the blessing of my uh, ability to work with numbers? Where should I use my blessing? You, you see, when you fill in the blanks, you see what I'm saying? Uh, there was a time I used the blessing of me knowing how to cook and, and made a living out of it. And thank God I don't have to do that anymore. Uh, You know what I'm saying? So then God God revealed to me the other raw material that he had placed upon my life, and that was the ability to pastor. Okay, now, watch this now. Now, if I, and I did for years, if I said, yeah, I believe I can do that, but I want to still keep cooking. I want to still run my restaurant. What do you think would happen to that other blessing? (laughs) Just dry right up just drive right up. you got to move. Oh, this is good. you got to move with the blessing as it's revealed in you and through you. You see what I'm saying? You have to move on. You can't just say, well, this is what I'm good at. This is what I'm comfortable with. We were just talking about this this morning. This is what I'm comfortable. With. I just want to stay. With you. no, 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 no. Go to the parable of talents and you'll see what happens. The one who didn't do good with what God gave him. The scripture says, even that which he has shall be taken from him. We got to move on. Why? Because God's a good steward. And when you continue to move on, you start seeing blessing revealed more and more and more and more. You got it? Okay. Ephesians chapter one, verse three. All praise to God, the father our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, who has blessed us. Who, that's why at the beginning, when I first got up here, I asked how many blessed people do we have? Okay, Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with who? Christ. Christ. Right. Well, Messiah. Christ, the anointed one. The anointed one. Amen? He is the blessing. Amen? Amen. So, so has is future tense? Is has future tense? Did you guys all eat turkey tonight before you? <laughs> Who has blessed us is what? Past. Past tense. It's an established fact. Pastor, please pray for- that God will bless you. <laughs> please pray that God will bless me. Okay? We already have all things in Christ. Amen. He's already freely given us all things in Christ. Amen? you got it already. Okay? Now, I don't want to go slipping into this, but healing operates the same way. When a person does, when a person is, and it breaks my heart when I hear people say this. I, a couple of weeks ago, somebody, somebody said to me, I am in serious condition. I know someday God's going to heal me. No, that's not true. It's not true. No more than you could say, well, I know someday God's going to save me. It happened already. You have to point back to the point of origin. Yes or no? Yes. Okay, so stop looking for the blessing in the future. Start rejoicing over the blessing that's already on your life. Yes. Well, Pastor, you don't know my life is... Well. No, I don't, but the Holy Ghost does. And, and he'll show you what areas. Maybe, maybe, and you know what, let me turn around when I say this. Maybe if you start appreciating the blessing that you have on you already maybe you'll start seeing that and it will start activating that in your life more and more. Amen. I had to turn around because it's inevitable somebody in the lobby is going to say, I know you were looking right at me when you said that. <laughs> All praise to God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united to Christ. I don't need to read the rest of that. Okay. Four primary reasons. We've got to finish this in the next 44, 43, 44 minutes. We've got to finish this. Four primary reasons why God wants us to live out of his blessings. Let's say it again. Four primary reasons why God wants us to live out of his blessings and why he wants us blessed. Number one is extremely obvious. He loves us. When you love someone, you want to bless them. When you love someone, you want to bless them. Don't tell me that you love a person, but you will never do anything for them, you'll never speak nice to them, you never buy them anything, you're too cheap to pick up a bouquet of flowers. Don't say that you love the person, but there's no demonstrating action. Love means action. Are you listening to me? So he loves us. So because he loves us, he wants us to walk in His blessings. He wants us to take advantage of it. I hate to use that word advantage because sometimes it's a negative context. But you know what happens is so many people are not convinced of that one fact that God loves us. We, we won't say this but this is how we live. Well on the days when I'm good then I, then I can believe He loves me. But Pastor, man, I really messed up last week. You see what you're doing? You're trying to qualify for that love according to human standards. But he loves us with an everlasting love, Jeremiah says. And He says, with cords of loving kindness I have drawn you. Paul translated that into, it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Are you catching this? And watch this now. Now, obviously, even in the early church, this was a problem of people not believing that God loved them. Because in 1 John chapter 4, John writes this, verse 16. And we have known and... Uh, let's do it again, because you know where I want to put the emphasis here. And we have known and... Believe. Now that believe that word believe should jump off the page at you. Because it's one thing to know something, it's another thing to believe it. It's one thing to be aware of someone's intentions. It's another thing to believe that they will bring those intentions to pass. Yes or no? Yes. So he says, he says, we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Of course, because God is love. If we abide in God, we're abiding in love. Okay, he already loves us. He's already committed to us. Let me read it to you, that same verse in the New Living Translation. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. I want to go focus on that. Look at this. We know how much God loves us, and read it with me, and we have put our trust in his love. Have you put your trust in his love? Or have you put your trust in, I was good today. (laughs) So I qualify for blessing now because I was good. To, now, uh, no, he'll bless you regardless because you're his. You're his, but you have to believe it. It's not enough to just know about it; you have to believe it. And the times when you when you have to believe it is the times when we mess up. That's when you really have to believe that he's loved you. Amen. Are we getting this? Okay, good. John 3:16 obviously we know that one. For God so loves us with such a committed love that he gives he blesses and love finds its fullest expression in action. Romans chapter 8 verse 32 I quoted this before but I'm going to read it to you from the amplified version. He who did not withhold or spare even his own son but gave him up for us all will he not also with him with Jesus together with Jesus, attached to Jesus, will he not freely and graciously give us all other things that we need? If he's already given you the greatest thing that he could possibly ever release into your life, which is salvation, what is he going to withhold from you? You getting this? I tell the story, I've told the story throughout the years because it stuck out to me so much. When we were in Bible school in Tulsa, We needed a vehicle. We drove out there, taking our life into our hands with an old, what was it, a Ford? Caravan. With a two-by-four in the back seat holding up the driver's seat. Am I lying? And a bungee cord attached. And the reason I know is because the bungee cord came loose and my poor son, Mark, who was what? 12 at the time, 13 maybe. The thing hit him right on the side of the head <laughs> while while we're driving on the highway out to Tulsa. So all this time we're there. How many remember the mosquito trucks? The fog, the mosquito trucks. That's what would happen every time. There was a crack in the uh, something, and the antifreeze was blowing into the engine, and it would come out the exhaust. And you talk about embarrassing. And we'd, any place we went, uh, it would just the, the fog would just follow us. So, so we're praying, and we're like, God, we got, we got to drive back to New Jersey. We got to, you know, you got to at that time, Lord, you got about a year to get us a car. <laughs> and we would pray, we would pray. I would go to services. I would put extra money, Father, this is a seed towards my car a little bit. Nothing. I'm home on a Friday morning. We had an extra room in the house on the second floor and i kept that just for me to go to pray i go this one friday morning i must have been in the summertime because we were home and i go up there and i go to pray and i said this without even thinking lord i didn't come here to ask you for anything i just come here to just spend time with you and i heard as if somebody was standing in the room tonight you'll get your van That night, right? How it happened, there was a guy that was in the class with us in Rama, and he was working at a car dealership. And he called us up and said, listen, this car just came in. I want you to come and look at it. <laughs> we went and Looked at it. All the financing worked out, which was a, an incredible miracle, because we had just gone into bankruptcy a few years before. I'm like, there's no way we're going to qualify for this loan. Qualified for the loan? but. Went there like 5 o'clock in the afternoon. By 6, 7 o'clock at night, we're driving the van back home. Okay, what happened now? You don't seek after the thing. You pursue the person. You see what I'm saying? I learned a tremendous lesson that day. You pursue the person. He's got everything you need. He knows where it is. He knows who owns it now. He knows how much it's going to cost. You listening to me? He loves us. He's not going to withhold anything from us. Number two, God blesses us because God wants to meet our needs. Philippians 4.19, New Living Translation. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his riches, his glorious riches, which have been given to us, where? In Christ Jesus. So God is committed to supply our needs, yes? Yes. Okay, so we, we had need of salvation. God met that need in Christ. We have need for healing. God met that need through Jesus who took all of our sin, all of our diseases on himself at the cross. Isaiah 53, okay? And by his wounds we are healed. Now, please resist the temptation to sit there and go, oh, I know all this stuff. We need to stir ourselves up in these basic things. We need to constantly remind ourselves of these things. Amen? We need comfort. God provided that comfort through the Holy Spirit. Who dwells in the believer forever. So we never need fear of being alone. Is there any other need that we have, whether it's actual or perceived need? God is interested in providing that which will bless us. Why? Because he's the blesser. Greg Rochelle. How many of you know who Greg Rochelle is? The founder of Life Church. Well, he's got a few churches in the country. What are they? They're up to like 50 or 60 churches now, all over the nation, probably more. He made this statement years ago, and when he said this, man, it just jumped on the inside of me, and I immediately knew what scripture it was connected to. This is what he said. If you will let your deepest needs drive you to God, then God will meet your deepest needs. I'm going to say that again. Listen to me. If you will let your deepest needs drive you to God, then God will meet your deepest needs. What we normally do with our deepest needs is we try to go get them satisfied on our own. We get involved with a person that is not going to work out good because we have this need. I'm lonely. This person makes me feel special. And then six months later, it's disaster. Okay? We have a need financially. Instead of praying and asking God how to handle this, We go throw ourselves into either an investment or throw ourselves into some uh, get-rich-quick scheme or we take on an extra job that God never told us to take on so now our family suffers, our kids don't see us. You understand what I'm saying? If we will let our deepest needs, and let me just tell you this, and you know this and I know this, almost always our deepest needs you and I will never express. But they drive us to do things, and most times It drives us away from God instead of driving us to God. Does anybody know what I'm talking about here tonight? Listen to this. When David, King David, got involved in an adulterous relationship with another man's wife, Bathsheba, it led David to stoop to lying, to manipulation, even murder, even had her husband murdered to cover his sin. Later on, when confronted by Nathan the prophet, God makes a stunning statement through Nathan the prophet. Look at this. Second Samuel chapter 12, verse seven, now watch this now. David gets involved with this Bathsheba. She gets pregnant. He's gonna to try to hide this thing. He calls her husband back from a battle. He's in the battlefield, which David should have been at the battlefield. But David's home on his rooftop, watching his neighbor, his wife in the jacuzzi. Okay, so she gets pregnant now he's, he's panicking, he's got to try to cover so he, he sends for Uriah, her husband to come back home, gets him drunk, figures he'll go home if he's drunk and, and then he'll think it's his kid and Uriah is so much more honorable than David is himself he refuses to go home and, and sleep with his wife, he refuses he actually sleeps on the doorstep of his house He's such a noble individual. So now David's panicking, so now he gives orders to the general, take Uriah, put him on the very front lines of the battle, and when the battle heats up, pull your troops back. And what happens? Uriah gets killed, okay? So now she gets pregnant, and Nathan the prophet comes to confront David. Here's where we are. Then Nathan said to David, you are the man, you got to go read the story, because he, he, he tricks David, tells him the story about a man who had this little lamb who was like a pet to the family, he treated it like his own child, and, and the lamb is taken by a rich man, slaughtered and served to his guests. So Nathan tells him the David goes, who's this guy? He deserves to die. And Nathan goes, you're the man. And this is what the Lord God of Israel says. Watch this now. Remember, remember this statement from Craig Creschel. If you will let your deepest needs drive you to God, then God will meet your deepest needs. You got it? I gave your master's house to you. Remember, he took over Saul's kingdom and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all Israel and Judah. Look at this. And if all this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Is there there another verse after that? Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? Watch this now say, well, pastor, if I'm reading this the way you're reading this, does this mean that God would have given David somebody else's wife? No. What he's saying here is, you already know, David, this is God speaking to David through, through the prophet, you already know, David, that I am willing to give you whatever you need. If you would have come to me with that need, okay, God would have worked in his heart in such a way that it would have taken him out of an adulterous relationship and God would have put his attention on something else. God would have diverted this thing. God would, have maybe, uh, God would have brought one of his wives to him to meet the need that he felt he had. Because at this point in time, David's got a few wives. Now watch this now. Do you not know that God understands the needs that you have? Do, no, do, I, I'm, I'm talking about the stuff that you don't talk about. The stuff that drives you to, your, to form your character, to form your nature, your personality, the things that are deep inside. Okay. Now, it does not mean that if it's something that's ungodly, God's going to meet that need. What it means is, if we will be honest with god and if david would have been honest with god if david after he got a glimpse of bathsheba would have went back in the house and said lord i'm having a problem here i'm struggling here don't you think god would have ministered to him don't you think god would have strengthened him don't you think god would have would have made one of his wives sensitive hey listen your husband's lonely hey listen your husband's suffering right now hey listen your husband doesn't feel wanted hey listen you see what i'm saying God would have caused David to avoid this disaster. Here we are now, 2,500 years? No, more than that. 3,000 years after this incident, and we're still talking about David and Bathsheba. It could have been avoided. But what do we do? We try to hide these things from God, and we try to go get our needs met apart from God, and it almost always ends up in a disaster. You getting this? He wants to meet our needs because he loves us. He knows the things that are inside of us that are going to lead us to sin, and he wants to meet us at that place because he loves us. Are you getting anything out of this? Yes. Number three, God wants us blessed so that we'd be free from the cares of this world so that we can love him undistracted with all our heart and all we are. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. Look, I know these are all familiar verses of Scripture, but we need to really keep ourselves built up in these things. 6.31. So do not, Jesus speaking now to the multitudes, do not worry saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear. You notice this? Almost every commercial you're going to watch on television is going to be, what am I going to eat? Midnight, Burger King. Oh, we're open 24 hours. What are we going to eat? What are we going to wear? What was the other one? What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Always appealing to those basic needs, right? Next verse. For the pagans, who's a pagan? Ah, pagans and idol worship. No, I'm good. But did I sound like I'm not good? Did I? Thank you. Thank you for being attentive, though. For the pagans run after all these things. What is a pagan? A pagan, oh, a pagan is somebody who bows before an idol. No, a pagan is somebody who does not have a relationship with God and tries to stuff, stuff something else into that place food, drink, stuff, jewelry, bling, drip. <laughs> For the pagans, the people who do not have a relationship with God, Run after these things. Run after these things. Look, let's be honest with each other. If you're like most people, what do you spend your time watching TV? The Cooking Channel. HG, what is it, TV? Because you're worrying about, how can I get that house? How can I get that room? And look at that paint color. And, and, and they did it in three days. We're like pagans. We're running after stuff. For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So what are we spending all this time? Because we don't understand that the blessing is a person. And he wants to provide. He wants us, to, he wants us undistracted. For the pagans run after it, verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, that right standing with him, and all these what? Yes. I was looking for you, Joe. And all these yes. things will be what? Yes. Added to you or given to you. Given to you. He knows what we need. He knows you need a house to live in. He knows you need a car to drive. He knows you need clothing. He knows you need food. He knows you need drink. He knows you need these things. But when we start elevating things and our natural needs above everything else in our life, then we take even the things that are supposed to be a blessing from God and we make idols after them. You getting this? We make idols after that. So then what happens is we start seeking God, not for his presence, not for his forgiveness, for his love, for just just being with us. We start, uh, like... Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Hey, God, I need this. Hey, God, I need that. Hey, God, I need the other thing. I think that's why I got that answer to prayer that 25, 26 years ago. Father, I'm not here to ask you for anything. Because most Christians think that God is... He's got it. And he'll give it to you as much as you need. But he wants us to seek him first. Seek his kingdom. I believe it's in Psalm 103, I'm not sure, so don't waste the time going looking for it, but I believe it's in Psalm 103. It says this. I'm going to paraphrase. Israel knew his works. Moses knew his character. You catching this? Israel knew, we can put it this way. Israel knew his hands. Moses knew his face. Moses would spend, Moses would look for him to spend time with him. Israel's like, hey, we need water. We need water. We got nothing to eat. What is this stuff? What's this? What is this? What is this? What are we supposed to do with this stuff here that we're gathering every day? What is this? We want meat. We want, we want to enjoy the fish and the cucumbers and the onions that we ate in Egypt. When was that? Because the Bible tells us they were starving to death in Egypt. But you see what we do? We fantasize our past. We make it look like the good. Oh, when I hear people talk about the good old days. What good old days? What good old days? You were complaining. That thing that you're calling the good old day now, you were complaining about back then. You, You catching this? Did I finish that? All right, let's go through this again. Verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things, do that. All these things, because we want to put them here. We don't want to put them here. We want to put them here. Here's God's position in our life. Not things don't belong here. Things belong here. And all these come on. And all these things shall be added to us or given to us, okay? Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Listen to the King, King James Version. King James Version. Therefore, take no thought saying, do it again. Therefore, take no thought saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink. Take no thought saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink. Why? Because you will continue to speak what you're constantly thinking about. And it goes to show, when you keep talking about, what am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? Where am I going to live? What am I going to wear? What am I going to (sighs) drive? You become obsessed with the need rather than just being caught up in his presence. Amen? Amen. All right. Proverbs 10.2. I did that last week. Um... free from the cares of this world. That's what he wants us to be. And free from the, all the junk that comes with things sometime. He doesn't want us caught up in this, in this chasing after. And that's why we need to really define the blessing. You need, to, you need to get it in your heart that the blessing is the person. The blessing is the relationship that you have. If you can only define being blessed as being wealthy, being healthy. If we start talking about somebody, you know, oh man, that person's really blessed now. Because maybe they made it big or they got an inheritance or they, an investment paid off or they got a big promotion on the job. And we go, oh man, yeah, what's his name? So and so stepped into the blessing. Oh, what was he before? He wasn't blessed before. You see what I'm talking about? We equate blessing with things, with, with wealth. Uh, or if you, if you only equate being blessed by being healthy, having accumulated stuff, if that's how you define blessing, you don't know what the blessing is. The greatest definition of blessing is no matter what you have or don't have, you know you have Him with you. Amen? There's no blessing in things without Him. There is no blessing in things without Him. With Him, Blessing being blessed is knowing that you could still praise him apart from your possessions. And we this is where we ended last week in Habakkuk chapter 3. I want to go through that again, but I want I got to finish point number 4. Habakkuk 3. Now, I I know this by experience, and I know there's many people in here know this by experience. Let me read the scripture and then we'll talk about it. Let me see. Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 17. I believe it is. You got it up there? Yeah. Now let me come over here with it. Can you can you all see this? You see it over there. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive, in other words, though your olive trees don't produce, next verse. And the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the soil. In other words, if not, if everything you touched has turned to junk, garbage. It's not producing. Every investment, okay? Even though that happens, next verse, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Now, we don't want to stay there. But if you can't worship God when you've got nothing, don't tell me you're going to worship God when you have something. Because your whole relationship with the Lord is going to be dependent on what you have. You got to know how to rejoice when you got nothing. You got to learn how to rejoice when you have something and make sure that it doesn't differentiate. You listening to me? I know a lot of people, man, they can rejoice when they got big bucks in the bank or they're driving a nice car or they just bought a new house. But, man, that's why the devil went after Job. Took everything. Let's see if you're going to read. His wife even said, why do you keep rejoicing? Why do you keep worshiping God? Why don't you just curse God and die? What did he say to her? Man, you're foolish. You're acting like the foolish women. You've got to be able to listen. We don't like it when it happens that way. But let me tell you something else. Some of the deepest, most richest times you're going to have with God is when you can genuinely rejoice and you don't have what you wanted. When you can rejoice then, man, the devil gets scared of a person like that. Oh, you're not listening to me. The devil gets scared of a person. When a person could rejoice, okay, when they're still waiting for the healing to manifest, when a person could rejoice when the bank account is empty, when a person could rejoice when they're driving around a clunker, when a person... That scares the devil because that show, you showed the devil... I'm not connected to the things of this world. I am connected to him. You listening to me? This is one powerful lesson. Learn it on your own. Be intentional about this so that it never has to come upon you to learn this thing. Be intentional. Don't hold on to things. Be very, very, hold things very loose, the things of this world. God tells you to bless somebody all that is is God telling you, listen, I got I got my stuff is in your account. Now I want to take some of my stuff from your account and put it in so and so's account. We should be going, yes, sir, it's your stuff. It's your it's your stuff. Do what you want. No, what do we do? Oh, let me pray about it. Pray you tell God, let me pray about it? It's his stuff. No, we don't realize this. We put, we put God in a whole different category. It's his, turn to somebody and say, it's his stuff. It's his stuff. If he wants to move it from your account and put it in somebody else's account, that's his business. It's his stuff. We should be happy. Go, yes, sir. What? Uh, you want me to do more? Why? Because if he's moving stuff from your account to somebody else's account, guess what's going to happen in the future? He's going to tap on somebody else's shoulder and say, oh, listen, I want to take some of what you got that I've given you and I want to put it in this one's account because this person has shown me that they're willing to be a pipeline of my blessing. Don't ever, 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 ever miss out on the opportunity when God taps, when the Holy Ghost taps on your shoulder and says, I want you to write out a check and give it to so-and-so. I want you to go pay so-and-so's card payment. I want you to give your card to such and such. I want you to go make somebody's mortgage payment. Go, oh, hallelujah. Yes, definitely, definitely. Well, what if I'm not sure? Do it anyway. It's better to make the mistake on that side than to make the mistake on the other side. You listening to me? Ask me how I know. Number four, we're going to wrap this up. Good, we got got enough time. God blesses us so that we could be a blessing to others. Just carried, just covered that one. Be a, listen to me. Be intentional about being a blessing to people. I'll give you a couple of minutes to think about it. Not kidding you. You listen, I know I know we throw a lot of cliches around, but the truth is, you can't outgive God. And don't sit there and go, "Oh, he's he's making a uh, kind of a plea for the church." No, no, no. This church is blessed. I'm talking about. You know, it's easy to give in church. Easy to give in church. Number one, nobody sees your envelope. But but when God's speaking to you to do something very visible. That's when you're going to have the greatest challenges. Now, now watch this. Let me, let me say this for a moment. Let me sit down for a minute. How do I want to bring this point out? Let me see. When God is moving on you to do something spectacular in another person's life, He's not doing it so that you'll get the glory. He's doing it so that you make the investment. It's an investment. Don't ever look about, well, I gave this. No, I invested this. Okay, I invested that. I invested in somebody else. Um, I I think we probably have forgotten more times. So you're going to talk about your, yeah, whose life am I going to talk about? I don't know yours. I know mine. There's been so many times, we've probably forgotten 80% of the stuff that we've done in the past when God moved on us to bless somebody, to invest in someone, to, to support someone. To, um, and, and we've done this on a number of occasions, and, and we just got finished with somebody just recently, where my wife and I will talk and say, well, who do you feel like the Lord would have us to bless or invest? And so we'll go to the person and say, okay, listen, for the next year, in the beginning of each month, you're gonna get a check of X amount of dollars from us. We're making that commitment to you. We believe in you, we want to support you, we want to uh, invest in your life. And it's amazing how the person's character and personality and attitude changes immediately. And it doesn't take a lot of money. Just the fact that you you thought about an individual, all right? And I'm gonna challenge you to do this, all right? Because God wants us to be generous Because we're supposed to be in his image and in his likeness. Have you ever known God to be cheap? Have you ever known God to be cheap? Have you ever known God to bring a blessing with an eyedropper? No. It always comes like a flood. Ephesians 3.20. He'll do what? Exceedingly, abundantly, above anything we could ever ask or think. In other words, you can't even imagine God's generosity. So, so make investments in people. I'm not saying to give to the church. I'm, I'm, not, tell, I'm not saying to do that. Of course, you know, we're told that our, the tithe comes, you're supposed to bring an offering. We do that, but we do it to bless God, all right? So don't miss an opportunity to do these things because, you see, you don't know what's coming in your life in the future. You, and listen to me. God, I should teach this someday. God, I guess I'm doing it right now. God is the God of the setup. He's always setting you up. He's always setting me up. He very rarely shows you in advance 100% what the picture is. Why? Because that, that wouldn't require any faith. If he showed us 100% everything in detail, it wouldn't require any faith. So, so he moves on us. He gives us an impression. He, he drops in us a desire to bless someone, to invest in someone. But he's doing it as a double-edged sword. He's doing it because that person has a need, but he's also moving on you specifically because he's setting you up so that you already have an investment in that arena so that when you're now in need, he has the legal right then to release that blessing over your life. Does that make sense? He's always setting us up. Always Always. But the way we look at it in our carnal nature is, God, God, God doesn't want me to have this now. He wants me to give it to somebody else, because God doesn't want me to get ahead, and every time I get so far, something happens, and all this. we look at it as if He's taking something away from us, rather than us looking at it as He's giving us the opportunity to make an investment in an individual's life. You listening to me? I'll tell you this story. I can't go into all the details. Gosh, the church was only a couple years old. And I was having a Bible study for guys. So it was really more of a time of prayer. Six o'clock in the morning. I don't remember if it was on a Wednesday or Tuesday, whatever it was. It was when we had our offices in the building next door on the corner upstairs. The first time we were there. So we'd been there twice. So a young man was brought to the to the. Bible study, a prayer, prayer group, by another gentleman who knew this guy. And he's loaded with cancer, his lymph nodes. You can feel him. He said, here, come and feel him. His lymph nodes were like stones. He was in stage four cancer. You listening to me? <coughs> so I prayed for him and stuff, but I realized this guy's a baby, baby, baby Christian. He's going to need one-on-one attention, okay? In the meantime... A business that I had sold a couple of years before, the mortgage note was coming due. And the balance was supposed to be paid to us. And it was a lot of money. It wasn't like 10 grand. It was a lot of money. So they cut off all communication with us. What does that tell you? They're not going to pay you. So I'm like, okay, we got to go to a lawyer. Had the contract, the whole bit. And it was the same week that this young man came into our, our lives. And I went home and I said to my wife, I can't fight both battles. I need to pay attention to this guy. Because for the amount of money that's owed us, we can't buy this man's life. So I'm gonna let this go. God will take care of us in the future. I wanna concentrate on getting this guy healed. Sure enough, got healed. Still alive to this day. Has a young man, he ended up, uh, him and his wife couldn't get pregnant before that time. She got pregnant. She conceived. Uh, she, she, she gave birth to a son who's probably now early 20s. OK? 15 years later? I think 15 years later. We don't hear a word Haven't collected a penny on that debt. Didn't even think about it. God's God. He knows what he's doing. Fifteen years later, a couple says to us, We got it, we need to come to your house. I'm like, I'm thinking, for what? I mean you're welcome, but for what? We need to come to your house. I won't go into all the details. Come to our house and drop on our kitchen table enough money to cover that debt. And within we invested it. That's the best I can explain it to you. And within five years, it completely covered the debt, the aggravation, and everything else. Say, well, yeah, but it took 15 years. It might have took even longer than that. I didn't care. I literally sat at the table, and after the people left, said to my wife, I'm trying, to, I'm asking God to reveal to me what did we invest for this? And it took, me, it took me about 15, 20 minutes. I went, oh, my God. Do you remember so-and-so? It was 1998, I think it was, or 99. where we just let the thing go, entrusted it to God, didn't have to lift a finger, didn't have to hire an attorney, didn't have to go to court, didn't have to sit up at night. Oh, my God, I wonder if they're going to find it <laughs> in our favor. Let it go. Let it go. Why? Because we invested in that man's life. You see what I'm saying? Now, I think maybe 10 years before that, I probably would have got. here was my biggest concern. For me to fight that court battle, I thought back then, I'm going to have to get in the flesh. <laughs> I'm going to have to go after their throat. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, I can't go after their throat and get this guy healed at the same time. I'm going to handle this in the spirit, commit this situation unto God. And let me tell you, When God made good on that investment, I can't even tell you what that was like. I really wish I could go into all the details, but it would scare some of you. (laughs) Commit these things to God. He is the blessing. When you walk in the knowledge of who you have in your life, when you walk in the knowledge that the creator of the universe, his spirit lives on the inside of you, The one who owns all the cattle. The one who owns all the gold and the silver. The one who has all the resources. And like Jesus said, if I don't have it, I'll make it for you. Okay? When you get that revelation, that's who I have on the inside of me. You stop worrying about these things. You stop worrying about these things. Oh, man, I wish. One of these days, it's going to be, what do they call it? Pastor Joe Un... What is it? Unplugged, un- unplugged, unplugged. Unleashed. unleashed. And tell you, the, and tell you the, the details of all these stories. Most unfiltered. of you, huh? Unfiltered. Un- un- that Pastor Joe unfiltered. Um, maybe unfiltered is dangerous. <laughs> My wife and I could tell you things that God has done that are just completely, completely amazing. I'm talking about especially in the realm of finances. In our life, it seemed like that's what the devil always went after in our early years. But we just kept staying. To listen, to you. I'm not bragging on me. I'm trying to give you a practical example of how to handle things. There's many of you in this room that know exactly what I'm talking about. You've seen God provide for you. You've seen God work miracles. You've seen God uh, do miracles equivalent to parting the Red Sea. Let's not forget who he is. Amen? Amen. Did you learn anything tonight? Did you get encouraged at all? All right. So listen, I want to pray a prayer over all of us before we go. I want you to really receive it, please. Because having sat here last week and this week and listened to this and and not get the reality of it will have been a waste of time. God, listen to me. With all my heart, I want you to hear this. God does not want you living your life worried about every little thing. That's what the pagans do, according to Jesus. Live carefree. Don't live stupid, but live carefree. Ask him for wisdom. Be obedient when he tells you, go and bless this person. Go buy so-and-so $500 worth of groceries. Go make so-and-so's mortgage payment. Go pay off so-and-so's car. Give your car away. I don't know how many cars we've given away over the years. Be obedient. See, you can't tap into what you already have if you're going to walk in disobedience. Your heart won't let you. Your conscience will stop you because you know you were disobedient. Be obedient. But, Pastor, it's hard. I don't know if I ask him to help you. The Holy Spirit will help you to be obedient. Don't you understand that? He's our helper. It's not just helper to find me a scripture. No, he's our helper. Whatever thing that comes difficult to you that God is requiring of you, the helper will cause you to be able to navigate through that thing. Amen? So let me pray for you, and then we're going to go. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God, with all my heart. Lord, you've been so good, Father God, to us. You've been so good to us personally. You've been so good to this ministry, to this church. Father God, you have blessed us. You have caused us to walk in your blessing, God. And it's been a sign and a wonder to so many, Father. Now, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would cause your Holy Spirit to rise up on the inside of each and every one of us and grant unto us that spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God as it pertains to this subject of the blessing. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that it would become second nature to us. It would just be automatic that we would seek you and not seek things. That we would pursue a relationship with you, Father, rather than trying to stay up at night, Lord God, trying to figure out how can I get this and how can I get that. Lord, I pray that we would become very alert on the inside, that when we start drifting in that, in that direction, Father, that we, the Holy Ghost would just seize us, arrest us, and bring to our attention what we're, how we're beginning to think and what we're placing our thoughts upon. Lord, I pray that each one of us would get revelation knowledge in this area, Lord God, as it pertains to our personal needs, as, it's, as it is specific to our individual lives. Lord, you know each and every one of us You know what our needs are. Father, I speak also to those deep emotional needs. Father, I speak to those wounds, Lord God, that would try to cause us to go and find comfort, Father, that would cause us to go and try to to get relief in areas that are ungodly. You know the things in our hearts, Father. You know the things in our souls, Lord God. The deficiencies. You know, Father God, the lusts that attract us, Lord God. And Father, we look to you for help. We recognize the blessing abides in us, Lord God, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And we praise you tonight. And we glorify you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.